Let's see what's going on in the town of Coventry. I am joined this morning by Jim Drum, the town manager of Coventry, who's brought along a special guest this morning. Our program brought to you by JDM Import CT in Coventry. Jim, good morning. Thanks for joining us for today. And I want to tell the people who you brought along today because we're going to talk about the fire department. We are. Good morning, Wayne. It's a pleasure to be here. I, I brought with me this morning uh, the Coventry Fire Chief, uh, Bud Myers. Good morning. Bob, good morning. Thanks for coming in today. And now, why did you do that? You've got uh, some stuff you want to talk about regarding the fire department in Coventry. Well, as we're uh, moving through this last month and in winter, things tend to slow down a little bit in town. There's some things happening, but at, at town hall, it gets busy. And so we've been diving into the budget. And I, I know other towns are doing that across the state, but we, we've had some challenges in Coventry. There's probably similar challenges in other towns, but probably more so for us. We, we've been uh, looking into our EMS and our ambulance squad and, 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 and how that operates. And, you know, it's been a volunteer system for many years. Wonderful service from the volunteers for all those decades who came out and, and provided that service for us as emergency medical technicians. But probably, what, 10 years, Chief, that we've seen a, a decline in, in volunteers? Yes, there has been a decline starting really hard when COVID uh, came into effect. Uh, we saw a reduction from roughly 38 EMTs and we're currently down to 18. Well, tell me what it takes to become a volunteer firefighter in Coventry. And DMT in this case, yeah. Uh, you can apply. We have an online application, firefighterapp.com, and look to apply. We will train you, and that usually takes about 180 hours, hours to become an EMT. Uh, we can send you to the fire school. That's uh, roughly 160 hours to become trained as a firefighter. I think that's part of the, the issue we have in the decline of, uh, <clears throat> of firefighters and, and EMTs is that really it's the amount of hours it takes to train anymore. So, Bob, what does that mean as far as the impact on the services provided by the Coventry Fire Department when you are down numbers with those particular roles? Uh, it puts a burden on um, my EMS staff specifically. Uh, my volunteers are pulling the uh, pulling the weight one or two offset costs. They are covering duty shifts and also covering uh, second calls, uh, what we call simultaneous calls. Uh, currently. Every month, we, we're averaging around 25 simultaneous calls. So that means our first ambulance is out, and it's requiring us to, to staff the second ambulance. That's where it's beneficial having staffing for the first ambulance is because it allows our volunteers to actually um, provide services for the second ambulance. But are your members of the fire department, the EMTs, and the volunteers, are they all Coventry residents, or do you have a few people that are doing the service to Coventry who are outside your town borders? We do have uh, uh, members who are outside Coventry that reside in close close proximity in, in uh, Columbia, Mansfield. Can a volunteer fire department member or an EMT serve with more than one town's department, or do they need to be exclusively committed to one town? That's uh, town-dependent. Uh, I know Coventry, we don't have an issue with you serving in multiple departments. Uh, I believe Tolland 
requires you to just be a, a member of their department. And from what you've heard, Bud, is this a problem with all volunteer fire departments, or is this unique to Coventry? It's a this, state issue. Yeah, yeah. This it's a national issue. Uh, firefighter EMTs or EMS providers uh, is a national issue. It's not just volunteers either. It's also careers. You've seen career departments that were getting 400, 500 applications to fill positions down to, you know, 80. So it's, it's across the board of uh, volunteer and career. But more people are coming out because when it is paid, they're coming out for the pay. Years ago, when you wanted to be a volunteer, and this is the story I usually tell, is that you became a volunteer firefighter or an EMT because your dad was. And when you were a kid, he took you down to the station and you hung out. And then you were sort of expected to step into that next role. And then maybe you try to pass that on to your, to your, today to your son and your daughter. But um, the problem is today, a lot of the kids move off. You know, the, their son and daughter now might live in Texas or they might live in, in New York. And so they, and when they go there, they're not carrying that tradition on even in that community they're, they're they're kind of finding other interests and they're not sticking to that that family tradition of service and as a volunteer firefighter or an emt so less and less people are coming forward the average of our current volunteers but they're like 50s and 60s right we're yeah um we do have 50s 60s but we are seeing a little bit of influx with younger members but the concern in the younger ones is that they build up all the hours it takes to train that you put that many hours in you have to take that time off from your full-time job to do this and it's not easy to do and then when you finally put that effort in there and you love what you do you're looking for a full-time job now as a firefighter or an emt you're, you're no longer wanting to stand by and be the volunteer so jim what's the impact of this on your budget negotiations your budget plan for 2024 in coventry well, since we've seen the decline, and again, the volunteers we have are spectacular, and we hope they stay with us as long as, as they wish. But we're starting to, we've been supplementing them with paid people from a private outside firm, and each year it's just getting heavier and heavier on us, and we've gotten to the point now that the cost of the paid people to supplement the missing shifts that we don't have volunteers is, is killing us financially. Basically, it's uh, costing more than the money we bring in from our calls. And so we're, we're sort of upside down. And it's not just this year. It's probably in the last three or four years. In, in Coventry, the challenge for us is, and I know about three or four years ago, the town said we need to make a tax increase to cover this loss of volunteerism. Or, or people of Coventry, show up and be our volunteers. And, and we haven't seen a whole lot of that. But uh, we need to pick up the cost. But when we, in, in Coventry, we have a unique thing in our charter. We have to go to referendum for our, our, our budget. And so it's failed in the referendum the last few years with, that it's been put forward by the former town manager, John Elsesser. And we just want to get the word out that it's, it's not sustainable. You know, what the council did the last few years is they used our ARPA money to keep it afloat, but ARPA money's gone. And so now we have to find a new answer. And that's the big challenge, I think, this year. Absolutely the big challenge. Uh, we've tried to, to do duty shifts with our volunteers, and, and they've been... Uh, very great at helping out, trying to reduce the cost of, of staffing, but it's not sustainable. You know, we're burning out our volunteers. Uh, when you think about it, somebody spending 12 hours after an eight-hour workday of running on calls and everything else like that, not getting any kind of sleep, and then they have to go to work the next day, it's just, it's not feasible. You know, 
Can someone become an EMT in Coventry and not be a volunteer firefighter or vice versa, or is it a package deal? It's a package deal. To, to be covered by our workman's comp in, in, in that stuff, you have to be uh, a member of the department. Otherwise, you're not covered uh, for insurance purposes. And we mentioned that sometimes we get second, third, fourth generation firefighters. What else draws people to want to become a volunteer firefighter or, for that matter, an EMT? I, I think uh, some people have joined because of seeing us in action, you know, uh, uh, treating their, their family member or uh, on an accident scene and seeing us treat that person. That they're like, I, I'd like to do that. Uh, you know, they watch TV and see 911 and uh, rescue or something to that effect, and they sit there and say, hey, that, that might be something I'd like to try. People hear about firefighters, and they might not think in the same breath about ambulance service, but this shortage that you've got of EMTs and firefighters, how does that affect your ambulance service in Coventry? We, that's where we have the uh, paid staffing, uh, the contracted services, so to offset that shortage. Uh, currently, they're, they're supplying us two EMTs. Uh, we provide all the medical supplies, the ambulance, uh, and they just supply us staff to offset the shortage. But there's a concern with that, and the chief has told me this in the past, because in our case, we have two different kinds of emergencies, fires and medical. And I'd say the majority of our calls are medical. Yes. But the day the bell rings and there's a fire and the chief's in the station and he's waiting for volunteers to come in, there's the guys who were waiting by that are EMTs and they're saying, well, have a good time at the fire. We're going to go make some breakfast. And because they're not really there for that purpose, we're paying a full-time staff person, but they're not really there for every, every service our department supplies. And so we're trying to make it more efficient. by, by We have a plan to put in some full-time staff. I'm thinking about the services provided by a fire department, and I'm thinking of three different firefighting things. And you might have more, bud, but I'm thinking structure fires, can be house, can be business, whatever. Thinking automobile accidents, motor vehicle accidents, where sometimes you have to be called to put out a fire when the car is on fire and the like. And maybe number three is brush fires, which we do get in the warmer months. Are there other things that the fire department is involved with besides those? We are a catch-all. Uh, we, we are plumbers. We are electricians. We are firefighters. Uh, uh, all sorts of types of fires, chimney fires, vehicle fires, uh, brush fires, are included in the, in the job, but we also do uh, basement pumping. We do CO uh, calls. Carbon monoxide, alarms going off in the homes, uh, several fire alarms a, a year in residential homes where there's smoke detectors going off. How about the job of going out to schools and talking to kids? Because I would think that might go a ways down the road to getting more volunteer fire department members. During our prevention, fire prevention week, we, we do involve uh, the, with the kids. We get involved with the kids. So, Jim, what's the big picture here? What's the message that you want to get out to residents of Coventry when it comes to the services provided by the fire department? Well, I think we've done, a as a, as a town, the town's been done an admirable job to do as best we can with the, the volunteers that we have, and we still want to do that as much as we can. And if we can keep that going, 
But the problem is we are seeing it sliding backwards and that we need the funding to move forward to put in paid staff. Our, the concept brought forward by the fire chief is that we're going to hire some key, uh, not a large paid department as some people might think, but just key full-time positions that would keep us on staff 24 hours a day with at least somebody paid on staff that, that would be a town employee instead of an outside a vendor. And some of the great benefits to that is that um, we can keep control of our costs because our vendors sometimes kicked our price up, what, 20, 30 percent uh, very quickly. So if we have a staff on board, we can keep control of our costs. As they, I mean, they still go up. We know about inflation, but we can keep control of it at, over time. The other thing is that they would be cross-trained. When the bell rings, and, and yes, the majority of our calls are, 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 are medical calls, there's going to be people there in that station with the chief to get on that truck, and we can respond to that fire a whole lot quicker than we could waiting for people to come in from home or their job or wherever it is they might be traveling from to the station. Back, you told me, Jim, that over 90% of the calls to the fire department are medical, but when there is a fire, you need as many people as you can get. So that certainly is a dramatic number. 90% of the calls are medical, and that's where the EMTs come in. But what was it that got you into firefighting in the first place? What was your inspiration? Were you like a second or third generation firefighter in your family? Yes. My grandfather and my father were uh, past members of Coventry Fire Department. So, yep, definitely. So it's in your DNA. I guess it is. And in your tenure in Coventry, give me a couple of examples of some of the biggest moments, meaning most tragic moments when it comes to fires or maybe even EMT work that you've, you've seen. I, I think the most tragic moments are the vehicle accidents. Um, you know, uh, a death in, in a fire is, is, is tough to, to uh, accept. Uh, I feel for summers they had those four fatalities in that fire. Um, you know, vehicle accidents where family, uh, families are out there and it, there's nothing you can do. It's, it, you know, it's in God's hands. We do our best. How about technology wise? What was the technology when you first began to learn how to be a firefighter and how has that evolved, hopefully improved these days? When I first joined, it was three quarter boots, uh, along with uh, long coats, orange fireballs on your hands, and there was four SCBAs on the truck. And if you go to the fire and you weren't one of the first four SCBA persons to grab an SCBA... The, what does that mean? Uh, Self-contained breathing apparatus. That you had to fight the fire and breathe in the toxic smoke uh, without it. In those days, a lot of the firefighters used to be proud of the fact they called themselves smoke eaters, but that is not good for your health, and that's certainly not anything a department should do today. No, and, and that's what has changed. We're fully encapsulated, uh, mandatory wearing self-contained breathing apparatus. Uh, there's a automatic pass alarm, uh, personal alert safety alarm that goes off if a person's incapacitated it'll start automatically going off in 30 seconds to alert people in the area that somebody needs help one of the firefighters needs help would it be safe to say that in this day and age 2024 that firefighting is safer than it was from when you first started yes and no <laughs> that depends uh, it, it is much safer. We're, we're, we're more encapsulated. What we're lacking maybe is a little bit more uh, training on the fact that 
flashovers occur ra more rapidly, uh, more quickly. Firefighters are getting entrapped into the situations where, um, because they're encapsulated, they're not feeling the heat that's being generated as you would when I was in uh, long coats and no Nomex hood and your ears were starting to singe, it was time to start cooling off. Now it's, it, it's you're fully encapsulated and you're not feeling all that stuff. So it, it's a different way to fight fires at this point. Jim, you're proposing a new plan to hire full-time EMTs. Tell me what your plan is. Well, the plan would be to bring on, a, a, I believe, an additional... Four, uh, looking to put on five full time. Five, five full time people at that point, and and these people would then cover our shifts uh, twenty four hours, and we're not again we're not having five people on duty at a time. It may be overlap occasionally, but you're really making sure that you always have somebody who's paid and in the station, and then the volunteers that we have would supplement that because usually it's it's extremely rare you go out by yourself, but it could happen, and and if you have that partner or the second call comes. And you say, well, how often do you, would you get a second call? And the odd part is you may not get a call all day because it might be sunny and beautiful like yesterday, but you get a rainy day, you could, you could get two to three calls back to back. It's, uh, it's a roll of the dice. Car accidents on the roads, people, yeah. you know, they're not very careful sometimes in the, in the weather. Calls are a roll of the dice. We can go one or two days without calls, and we can have a day of ten calls in a row, you know, just burning the tires off. And that's a good point that you made about we may have a couple of days without calls. People wonder why is, you know, we do get some compensation for, for the payment when we do have an ambulance call. So they're saying, well, why doesn't that cover that? If you have two or three days that you have people on the payroll and you never have a call, you never get a payment, that those people still have to be paid. Those trucks, you know, are still being maintained. They, they may not use much fuel, but you still have people on the payroll. So the cost is greater than just the the one hour it took maybe to go out and make the call and deliver you to the hospital. It's the standby cost to make sure they're always there when you need them. In fact, we've been talking about the fire department of the town of Coventry with our meeting with the town manager, Jim Drum. Bud Myers, the fire chief, is joining us this morning, too. Our program is brought to you by JDM Imports CT in Coventry. Jim, let's talk some non-fire issues that are going on in the town of Coventry. Your announcements include news from the Parks and Recreation Department. What do you got? Well, we've been pretty active with our, our basketball leagues, and they're winding up right now. And so we're kind of in a transition. But there are still things happening with Parks and Recreation. We're getting ready for spring, and we have our community gardens that are getting ready to be opened. So this is if you like to garden, whether it's flowers or vegetables, but maybe you're in an apartment, but you need a little bit of space. Or, or maybe, you know, your spouse doesn't want you to dig a big hole in the backyard. So you can, this is a place you can get out and maybe do some gardening. And so we offer uh, plots and at $30 a, a, a season for that. And you can, you can register to get that at 860-742-4668. Uh, and that, that could give you a gardening place for the whole summer. And some people call it Coventry Lake, and other people have another name for it. You have a summer camp there. Now pronounce the name of the lake. Lake Wangenbog. And, well, it's Camp Wangenbog in this case because it's our <laughs> summer camp. And, and it's actually at the lake. It's in Patriot Park. Apparently, it was tough enough to say that people just decided to, on their own, change it to Coventry Lake. Because they couldn't pronounce it. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. And then Booth and Demick Library, what programs do you have at the library? At the library, we have a lot of things happen at the library. Just remodel there. Just reopen it, right? We did, yeah. And it's really, it was closed for a while, and that was a shame as they were going through and doing a lot of the work. And they did a little bit of additional space there, too. 
But their programming has come back pretty strong, and they have some children's programs this month. The big one probably would be the children's Valentine's making. So if you're making a Valentine's Day card, sometimes you, we used to do that in school, but you can do this now at the library. And it's going to be on uh, February 13th, and it's all day, so you can stop in any time. It's not a specific time, and there'll be all materials and someone to help you with that and help the children with that. We have some teen programs. Um, and, and this month we have just a, just a dance party, and that's going to be on uh, February 20th at 4 p.m. And then for adults, we have the mystery book discussion. And this month on March 1st, it's a little, not this month, but it's coming up before I come back again. So this on March 1st, it's The Maltese Falcon, and it's by Dashiel Hammett. I didn't know who wrote that, but I always remembered the movie. And you have some openings in the parks and rec department? We do. It's time to get ready. I know it's hard to believe that spring and summer are just around the corner. I guess it's not hard to believe with the nice weather we have out there. But um, we have some openings there. We have 40 jobs that are coming up, and there, we have a lot for the camp that we just talked about for camp counselor. We need a couple gatekeepers for the, uh, the beaches that we have, and we need some lifeguards. That's something that's been a shortage around for a while, but it's starting to pick back up. I think COVID really hurt on that, but we're, we're hoping to get more lifeguards in this summer and some maintenance positions for the parks. So anybody looking for a part-time or a summer job or you have a high school or a college kid and you don't want them hanging around the house, send them down to Coventry Town Hall to fill out an application. We have something for them to do, and they can make some money. And speaking of the nice weather that we've had during the course of this week, I qualify nice weather in winter is not much cold, not much snow. And adding those two things up, you haven't had much in the way of snow removal going on. I know that sometimes you get a glaze of ice on the road, you got to send the trucks out. But you obviously must be having, at this point, and winter's only half over, you must be having a surplus in the snow removal budget. If you end the season, the snow season with that, where does that money go? Well, we usually, uh, that money gets kind of earmarked for next year's snow removal. At the end of the year, if we find that uh, we've used half the salt, then we'll put, basically use the funds to, to re, uh, refill the salt that we have to be ready for the next winter and try to be ahead and be ready for it. So, uh, unfortunately, it doesn't go to anything else at this point. I guess we had a couple, a couple really good years, then maybe we could say that we could put it somewhere else. Probably the fire department. <laughs> That's a good idea, yeah. Because as uh, we talked earlier, you've got about a $400,000 deficit annually for some of those uh, department fire department issues, including EMT and, of course, firefighting as well. Had a listener question about a large new structure that's being built in Coventry Village. It's a, it's a super fun site, apparently, at the corner of 31 and 275, right there smack in the middle of Coventry Village, which used to house Dippin' Strip. What's the update on what's going on there? Well, I think what they're looking at is the, the, the parcel's been for sale for a while. And I, and I think what they're looking at that site is to take the building down. I'm not, I'm, I'm not aware that the contract's gone through. It might just be in an exploratory phase. But I believe they're looking at maybe a car wash on that site. And so um, the goal would then be to take down the old building that's there, and if, and if there's any remediation needs to be done, that certainly we'd have to carry them through that. But I, that's, I think that's what we've heard. Is, the, is there a brook behind that? Is that water now safe? I'm, we'd have to look into that. I'm not aware of that, Chief, anything? At, at 31 and 2275, there's not a brook behind that building. No? I do know that they're talking about... Um, Mason Street, where they're looking at converting uh, the mills into residential properties and some commercial uh, businesses in there. That's in the planning and so on. Now, that makes some sense. Now, that's on a different intersection. That'd be on the south end of the village, but there are some old mills that we uh, have been for sale, 
and there's a potential uh, investor out of uh, New York who's looking at that, and they're considering uh, maybe 30 apartments and something in that site. But we're, that's still, again, an exploratory phase. But that is exciting to see the uh, reuse of the mill. We had that happen about 10 so years ago with the Armstrong mill. Yep. And what's the update on bridges? I know that you've replaced one, I think it's Bunker Hill Road. Uh, that That's still being worked on, it looks like to me, and you drive by it on 6. But just in general, what bridges are being replaced in the town of Coventry? Well, on Bunker Hill Road, the bridge you referred to is actually outside the town. I believe that's Andover's Bridge at that really? point. Really? Okay. Yeah, so that one's, there is some, I understand there are Although some Although most issues. of Bunker Hill Road is in Coventry. It's about half and half in that yeah. area. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but south goes all the way out, and that's all of ours on that one, all the way out to the, to the river. But um, the bridges that we're working on are, uh, this year, especially, is the Hop River Bridge. So that one's, um, as you go through there, it's been a very low bridge. It, it's, a, it's a single lane bridge. It's going to be enlarged to be two, two lanes. So you don't have to sit there and wait for the other. I mean, it's a little charming, but it also slows down traffic <laughs> to have the single lane bridge. And so it's going to be modernized and brought up and potentially a little higher in elevation. Because not that it's had too many problems with floods, but sometimes that area does flood. And so we're looking. So that's a town project. You know, because I, I, I go there a lot because of the uh, trailhead there at Hop River Road. And I, I guess I kind of, there's all, they got that big sign up about the bipartisan infrastructure bill and stuff yes. like that and i assume that was the state project but that's coventry public works is doing that job it's state funded state yeah state and federal funded technically wow. yeah it's coventry public Works. is not an outside contractor is coming in and doing the work on that now because i go to that trailhead a lot and i'm saying this sort of tongue-in-cheek i'm not criticizing anything but i see all the cones and i see some of the trees that have been taken down around there but i never see workers there <laughs> well, it's all in preparation. First off, we had to we had to clear the trees because the bridge is going to be not on the same footprint. It's going to move, and it's going to actually it's very odd. It's going to be on an angle, so they're going to reangle the road and they're going to reangle the bridge. So they had to take the trees down first, and then we had utilities in place that had to be moved. So they had to move some of the the power poles and then the uh, cable companies that run through there. So it took a, it took a few months to get that done in preparation, but because of the construction, it's going to we're going to want good weather for construction. So it's going to take off in April. They're going to demolish the bridge in April and take it down and right after the 1st. And in the bridge, that area will probably be closed off for most of the summer, to be honest. They're, they're going to then come in and then reconfigure the footing for the bridge and then reconstruct it, or not reconstruct, but build a new bridge uh, on that new uh, uh, footing that they put in place. Wait a minute. For the walkers, runners, and bikers, are you saying the trailhead for the Hop River State Park Trail will be inaccessible by Hop River Road? Is that what you just said? No, probably from the... You would have to go from the Coventry side down. Correct. The dirt road side. Dirt road side, yeah. yes. Yes, that's yeah. a nice road. And we do maintain that. In summer, it, it stays a little better than it does this time of year, unfortunately. But, um, yes, you will have to go all the way around. And it's a challenge for us as well because we have um, uh, buses right now that come in there. There's children that live on that side, and they come in from uh, the Highway 6 side. And so now they are going to have to go use the dirt road as well. Hmm. And, and, you know, it's, it's not a heavily traveled road, Hop River Road, but it is used for, among other things, people who want to access the trailhead. And I would just give my own personal observation, my two cents worth, that that, that bridge 
goes over a very scenic area. That little dam, the Czech dam, that I think it was the American Thread Company that built that. They had a whole bunch of subsidiary mills around here, and that was one of them. And there's little sluiceways that go either side. Yes. And then you walk to the west on the actual Hop River Trail, and you're going by the Hop River. It's a beautiful area out there. So I guess in the long run, it's going to be better for all of us. And that's the that's what the story is all about here today. Yes. How about improvements or changes in playing fields in Coventry? <coughs> well, we have made some improvements to the Miller Richardson Park and we uh, just uh, recently uh, opened two new softball fields but we're still looking at the rest of the park um, and we they were state funded they were each probably about five hundred thousand dollars of work that went into them and it used to be that one of those fields was the site of our former transfer station so it really improved the look of that park and especially the look because you're coming in uh, to Coventry on Maine from the south side it's um, but then what's going to happen is we're looking at a master plan, and the master plan is going to make some multiple improvements. And the plan so far, it's I don't, it's almost ready for adoption, but it's including basketball courts, playgrounds, pickleball courts. Now, when I say that, these are plans; these are things that aren't funded yet. But the co the concept of the master plan now is to say let's not just have a hodgepodge of what grant can we apply for this year and just put things here and there, you know, willy-nilly. We actually have a plan now to say this is what we're going to focus on and this is where we're going to place these uh, items in the park and, and hopefully construct it in a really nice pattern. This was a really a community thing that we did. Uh, the Parks and Recreation Commission had several meetings asking for public input and people came forward. The, the softball league, the baseball league, a lot of recreation groups, but even citizens who just use the park that are interested. They came forward and gave up these ideas of, of improvements. With that in mind, Jim, as town manager, what do you see as the value of recreational programs in a town? Coventry, in this case in particular. But in other words, some people don't use them, but other people do. And in my opinion, the option of being able to use them is what this is all about. It, it is. And, and I think it's, it is. Historically, they've been just baseball fields. And so they were very... Um, I don't know, very, very specific to one group of people. But now this, all this land that the town's owned all these years, it will open it up and allow different age groups and different populations to come in because not everyone plays baseball. And girls play softball primarily. Uh, we're seeing more boys getting involved in that today. But, I mean, the softball fields are there. And now we have that sports coming in. And if we have pickleball, which was actually senior citizens who brought that forward, so, so you may go out and senior citizens may be playing pickleball while the, the baseball game's going on. And uh, the concept is that maybe your older brother is on the baseball team, but your mom can take you over to the playground. And so the playground's there. So it's really meant to, to have something for everybody. And I think the value of recreation, you know, it, it's, it, it's good for our kids to keep, to keep them busy, to give them things to do and, and, and build a competitive edge, in, especially with the competitive sports. And having nice facilities is one way to encourage the younger generation to get off their couch and get off their phones and get outside and enjoy people one-on-one -on -one and competitive games, things like that. I think there's some other social benefits of that as well. And so. good for your health as well, absolutely. Ah, that's good, yeah. Well, we started this program with talking about the status of the Coventry Volunteer Fire Department needing volunteers, needing EMTs, and but just, again, go over the procedure that if people, A, want more information, or B, want to sign up, what do they do? They can uh, gain more information and sign up on www.firefighterapp.com. Uh, there's a bunch of fire departments that are listed in that app where um, 
you can pick Town of Coventry Fire and EMS, and there's a little blurb of what we're about and how to apply. And the application itself is right there. All right, so hypothetically now, I am a volunteer firefighter in Coventry, and when a fire breaks out, how am I notified, whether it's 12 noon or 12 midnight? We have a I am responding app. We also, when they dispatch, it can go right directly to your phone. Uh, we have pagers. How was it when you first started? I'm guessing you didn't have those kind of things. We, we <laughs> Actually, uh, we had Plectrons back then. It, we didn't have the pager system when I first started. But there was a Plectron that was in your house that you would get notified that way. Was it like tied to a radio? Was it a radio call? Yeah, it, okay. it would be it would be a tone that would go out over the plectron. So, and then similar question and maybe similar answer. What about EMT calls? The volunteers get notified the same way. And same they're... way, yeah. So, it, it, because we're a firefighter EMS based service, people who only do EMS would we can uh, just give them only EMS calls, so they're not getting interrupted in the middle of the night for the uh, CO call or the fire alarm. Same thing with the fire service uh, side. We can give them uh, the option of only getting fire calls, so they're not getting woken up for uh, an ambulance call in the middle of the night. Jim, is the fire department budget, the things we've talked about this morning, EMS, volunteers, the paid people you have to bring in, is that the biggest challenge you're facing right now in the upcoming budget session for Coventry? We, we have a number of challenges, but this is probably the most important one. I mean, this is this is public safety. This is potential of, uh, of, of having an ambulance show up timely or having to wait for the, a neighboring town to come provide mutual aid. So that's why we really think this is the most important issue of this year, yes. But explain how the mutual aid system works. When are your Coventry volunteer firefighters called to other towns? Uh, with Talent County, the department signed a, a mutual aid agreement that if uh, I need uh, an ambulance from Mansfield because currently I have one am I'm down one ambulance and uh, my first ambulance is out, I need to call Mansfield in and it's automatically they, they're toned into come assist us with the transport. Um, same thing if if Andover needs us or Mansfield needs us, Willimantic needs us, we get toned out to respond to their territory and assist them with their call. And lastly, Jim, what is the timetable on the budget before it goes to referendum? In other words, you have to you must have it have to have it finished at some point. People have to be able to see it before they vote on it. Correct. So right now we're in the, we're still in the department stages and I'm preparing the town manager's budget. And so at that point, uh, working with the chief on the plan for the fire department, I'm working with all the departments on their plans, but this very important plan will be put in place in our draft budget and will be delivered to town council on March 4th. But at that point, the town council does their deliberations and looks through the departments and the budget and uh, they will hopefully, and I think they're on board, that they'll approve this and it'll move forward to the voters. It goes to town meeting in April. I believe it goes to the voters in early May. So they'll, that'll be their chance to, to do it. We're going to have um, uh, a public hearing on March 7th at the high school. And so that'll be an opportunity for citizens to come in and talk about it and learn about it more. 
Really good information this morning about the town of Coventry from the town manager, Jim Drum, and also the fire chief, Bud Myers. Our program today brought to you by JDM Imports CT in Coventry. Gentlemen, thanks for coming in this morning. Pleasure to be here.